This evening's reading is Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jane. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we read words like that about taking up the cross and denying ourselves, and we don't like it very much. So we just ask as we come to look at this passage that you will help us understand it and that we will help us to, and you will help us to understand that this is a serious business when we choose to follow you. Amen. Well, do keep your Bibles open if you've uh, got them handy. Uh, Luke 9. And we are thinking about taking Jesus seriously. Do I, do you take Jesus seriously? And that's a question for everybody. It's not a question for those, it's a question just as much for those who perhaps have never thought about religious stuff, never thought about the Christian faith. But it's also a question for us perhaps who've been Christians for many years. Just to stop and think, am I really taking Jesus seriously? And to help us, if the clicker works, way it does, we've got a picture. Uh, it's actually an altarpiece, so it's, it's going to be up quite a lot of the time because that's what it was designed for, uh, to be able to look at <clears throat> during a service. Painted by uh, Hieronymus Bosch, which is a wonderful name, uh, about 1490. If anybody wants to look it up, it's called Christ Carrying the Cross, Hieronymus Bosch. He did two pictures. This is his early one, 1490. And I love these pictures because they are full of sort of clues and hints. Uh, So if you're not by any chance into early Renaissance religious art, which I accept may be possible, uh, think of this more like a Dan Brown novel or or a Banksy or, 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 or a Zelda or an escape room puzzle because the stuff in this picture that is going to help us think through what this passage is saying to us about taking Jesus 
seriously. And you can see the headings there we're going to be thinking through. Who is Jesus? This is a matter of life and death. And then we take up our cross when we follow the Lord Jesus. And we're not ashamed to follow him. So that's where we're going to be thinking. That's what we're going to be looking at. Um, And first off, then, we take Jesus seriously because of who he is and what he does. You see, Jesus asked this big question. You see that? Verse 18, he asked the question again in verse 20. Verse 18, who do the crowds say I am? And then verse 20, when he's talking to the disciples, who do you say I am? You know, that question, who is Jesus, that sits absolutely at the center, sometimes almost literally, of all the Gospels, in exactly the same way that Jesus sits absolutely at the center of this picture. It's a key question. Who is Jesus? Verse 19, the disciples say what the people thought, what the crowds thought. They say, well, uh, some sort of great prophet who's come back. I guess uh, they're kind of saying, well, he's a, he's a great religious leader. Now, if you talk to your friends and ask them what they think about Jesus, the chances are you'll get the same answer now. The Bible is still very contemporary. Say, who is Jesus? Well, probably just a great religious leader. Or maybe, a bit like the crowd in this picture, it's not even a question worth thinking about for very long. It's quite interesting. When you look at the crowd surrounding this, Surrounding Jesus, most of them aren't really bothered with him. Most of them are busy moving on, looking ahead. Almost a sideshow. But because of what Jesus says, because of who he claims to be, we've got to engage with this. It's a serious question, and it's one that we have to deal with personally. J.C. Ryle says... Christianity that saves is personally grasped, personally experienced, personally felt, and personally possessed. And that's why Jesus asks his friends in very, very sort of Prince Philip style, isn't it? He says, who do you say I am? It's a personal question. Peter's answer, verse 20, you are God's Messiah. Uh, depending which version you're reading, uh, you might have, uh, you are the Christ. It's the, it's the same word. It's a sort of Bible shorthand, if you like, for you are God's anointed person who's come to sort out the world and put things right. And the fact is, people had different ideas what that could mean. And I think that's why Jesus says to Peter, Well, don't tell anybody about this, verse 21. He says, let's make sure you understand what that means before you start telling other people about it. Because Jesus then begins to unpack what it means to be the Messiah. And the first thing Jesus says is quite extraordinary, because what he says that he is God walking on the earth. That's the code again, really. He says, he calls himself the Son of Man, verse 22, verse 26. 
But that was a very deliberate statement. It would resonate from the Old Testament, saying, I'm God. I mean, that's just a bizarre, extraordinary thing to say, isn't it? In, um, in these paintings, the colors are always very important. And blue always, or usually, represents divinity. So Jesus is here, he's put in blue, reinforcing that point when Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, God walking on earth. Well, that's, uh, that's going to be a bit of a surprise uh, to the disciples. Um, I guess what's even more surprising is what Jesus says next. He tells them he hasn't come to sort out all the world in the way they might have thought, but instead he's come to suffer, to be rejected, and to be killed. Exactly what the picture shows, doesn't it? Jesus taking his cross. He's dying to take the punishment that we deserve. And that is not what the disciples would have expected to hear about a Messiah. And I think, you know, when we're doing Alpha and stuff like that, that is still a message that folk find difficult. But at the end of the day, this isn't a question about what other people think. It's about what you think tonight. Whether you're sitting here, whether you're listening at home, is what do you think about Jesus? It's a question that has to be taken seriously and it has to be taken personally. And the reason it's so serious is because it is literally a matter of life or death. You see, in verse 22, Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. But he also says, doesn't he, that he will be raised to life again. And it's, it's not desperately obvious, but actually right the way through this passage, with all this talk about denial and, and taking up your cross, there is the offer of life. Look at verse 24. Jesus says that we save our lives when we lose it for him. Verse 25 talks about the risk of losing our souls. In other words, we don't have to lose our souls. And then right at the end of our reading, verse 27, we're not going to spend long on that one, but verse 27 says, some will not taste death before they see the kingdom. Now, that could be referring to what comes next when we see the transfiguration. Uh, It could be referring to Easter. It could be referring to Pentecost. It may be referring for us to our eternal future and that we need never taste death, separation from God. But however we interpret it, it's a promise of life. So Jesus is at the center of this picture and he's at the center of the Gospels going to his death so that we can have life. And interestingly, usually artists, when they do this sort of artwork, they put lots of little stuff in the background. There's always something going on in the landscape. But on this one, have I gone on there? Oh, don't know where I've gone. I should have been there. There we are. Got carried away. There we are. As you look at the background of this picture, there's nothing there. The artist seems to quite deliberately say there is no life 
apart from the Lord Jesus. The focus is on Jesus, and that's where life is to be found. Now, I don't know whether you saw, when we had the bigger picture up, uh, what was happening down at the bottom of this picture. But you can see in the middle, on the main picture, there's Jesus. But down below him, there are two other people facing crucifixion. Uh, uh, And the one on the left is the thief, the dying thief on the cross. And the one on the right is the one who turns to Jesus, even as he's hanging on the cross. And if you look at the one on the left, his cross is lying on the ground ready for him. He rejects Christ and he's going to die. But you look on the one on the right and you say, well, where's his cross? And what it is, can you see there's a tree? There's a living tree going up and up and up and up, stretching up to heaven. The thief chose Christ even in his dying hours. He lost his life, but in trusting the Lord Jesus, he gains it. So Jesus says, I've come to suffer for you so that you can have life. Without me, you face death. And that's why we have to take Jesus seriously. It really is a matter of life and death. And then Jesus says, if you do take me seriously, then it's going to change our lives. It's going to have an effect on our lifestyle. Because when we take Jesus as Lord, we are no longer Lord of our lives, are we? Jesus has become the Lord of our lives. So look at verse 23. Jesus says, whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves and take up their cross every day. So every day, we get out of bed, or before we get out of bed, and we say, actually, Jesus is more important than anything else in my life today. More important than my exams, how many followers I've got, whatever's happening in my relationships, my money, life itself. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he dies every day. Saying, no, Jesus is more important than life himself. And I think when we begin to take that on board, we just begin to get our priorities right. Jesus says we gain nothing if we gain the world. We gain everything if we lose ourselves. Now, that's fine, but what does it actually mean in practice? Jesus says, take up your cross. What do I actually have to do to take up my cross? I don't know if anybody went to Spring Harvest, or I don't know if anybody went to Word Alive, or went to either this year, but it was sort of interesting that there were two speakers there who touched on this from completely different angles. Steve Midgley, later this parish, was talking. And he was talking about how when we deny ourselves, how releasing that is. How we no longer make ourselves Lord of our lives, but we can just hand everything over to the Lord Jesus. On the other hand, at Spring Harvest, Doug Williams was talking, he was talking from Hebrews 10, and he was saying, look, this is a matter of perseverance. This is tough stuff. 
This is something we have to work at. And we are likely to suffer if we put Jesus first. And I guess one could easily do, as they did, a sermon uh, working out both both those thoughts on taking up our cross. But for the moment, I want to take a, a much, perhaps a simpler point and just say, if we're taking Jesus seriously, then our lives are going to look different. We should look different to the folk who are around us. We are not living to the same agenda as the rest of the world is. And this is serious. I think one of the problems with something like Lent is we kind of think, well, taking up our cross is giving up chocolate for a few weeks. Uh, Or or, or maybe we think, well, giving up my cross is texting £10 to the church at the end. There is a text to give, by the way, as treasurer. I thought I'd mention that. Um, We think these things are, are terribly sacrificial, don't they? But that's nowhere near it, is it? Taking up our cross is a much more serious undertaking. And I don't know what it will be. I don't know what it will be for me tomorrow, and I don't know what it will be for you. Calvin said, he didn't quite say this, but I think it's what he should have said. He said, roughly, that all we need to do to take up our cross is two things. It's to obey God and talk about Jesus. So that's all it is. If we want to take up our cross, we obey God and we talk about Jesus. Because he says, well, that's what Jesus did. He lived an obedient life and he testified to others. And what happens when you do that is you get crucified. And that's what we need to do, isn't it? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to sort of be brave enough to take up that cross, obey God, talk about the Lord Jesus. And do you know what's going to happen? Is we're going to get a kicking. It might be a very modest kicking. It might be a little bit of embarrassment. It might be a bit of exclusion. It could be being killed, couldn't it? Even now, even in this country, it is possible that you could be killed for saying things that are biblically true. And if we are killed, well, so what? So what? Jesus says, if you lose your life, we've saved it. Hmm. But, is that really how we think? I think, to be honest, we kind of want the best of both worlds, don't we? We kind of want to say, yes, that's all lovely and true, but we also want to fit in with the world. This is uh, the, uh, the only Christian, I suppose, in this picture. A uh, bit anachronistic, and they're not quite sure how you have a monk at the crucifixion, but there we are. Uh, there's our, our Christian monk. He's at the bottom right of the picture, and he looks very Christian, doesn't he? There he is, kneeling down with the dying thief, looking very holy. Lovely sort of evangelical smile. Got his Bible. Just look a bit more closely. Just look closely at him. 
He's not actually touching. He's not reaching out to the thief at all, is he? Someone else is doing that. Compared to the thief, he's rather well-fed, isn't he? He's rather well-dressed. And look at his Bible. That Bible is firmly shut and tucked under his arm in perfect condition. And that's quite a deliberate image. You know, you look at that monk and he'd be much happier being higher up in the crowd, wouldn't he? That's what he looks like, one who would be happy to blend in with the crowd. If you really zoom in, I think he's got a bit of a drinker's nose as well. So the challenge to us, isn't it, is is that like us? Are we sort of playing at being Christians? Do we look the part? I think some of the toughest words on this were from Jordan Peterson. He says some great things and he says some silly things. But listen to this. Jordan Peterson is not a Christian. He wouldn't claim to be. But this is what he said. He said, there is no limit to what would happen if you, he's talking to me and all of us, if you acted like God existed. You aren't sufficiently transformed for me to believe. Or that you believe the story you're telling me. The way you live isn't sufficient testament to the truth. that's tough isn't it pretty brutal Jesus says take me seriously he says put me first take up a cross whatever that may be and follow me by the way I am preaching this to myself I'm quite aware this (laughs) this is tough stuff isn't it and then Jesus says on top of that He says, don't be ashamed of him. It's quite a stern warning. Verse 26, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you. Now, there's one famous story, isn't there, in the Bible, of someone who is ashamed of the Lord Jesus. And bizarrely, that person is in this picture. In fact, he's almost at the center of it. There he is. The chap in pink hitting Jesus. That's Peter. Peter, of course, turns against Jesus, doesn't he? Just uh, just before the crucifixion. And the artist there has shown Peter doing exactly that, turning on the Lord. And we would say, and we look at that, and we always say, well, we'd never do that. Never behave like Peter. Well, of course, Peter said exactly the same, didn't he? But he did. And the point is that being ashamed of Jesus is not just about those big dramatic moments that we all think we can gear up for and we get through those all right. Being ashamed of Jesus for us, I guess, plays out day by day in all those little compromises or fudge takings that we indulge in. You know, while I was preparing this sermon, uh, my bank statements arrived in the post, still arrived by post. And I opened up and began to think, oh no, have I got enough? Perhaps I need a little bit more. I wanted to gain the world at that point. Or we're in a conversation and we know it's kind of getting in an area where we really ought to speak up. We ought to be saying what the gospel values are. But we just kind of know that as soon as we do, we'll get a label of being bigoted, 
being dogmatic. And at that point, we want to save ourselves, don't we? Or maybe we just can't be bothered to come to church anymore. It's just too easy not to. And at that point, I guess we're just following our own wants and not following Jesus. We do need to watch ourselves, don't we? It's very easy to be ashamed of Jesus and his words. And we do it every time we compromise and rationalize these things away. And because we all do it, and we'll all have those things in our mind, we are bound to be saying at this point, but hang on. Jesus says, well, I'm going to be ashamed of you then. So does that mean I've blown it? Does that mean I, I've, Jesus has written me off? Well, I don't know whether you can see closely on this picture, uh, but actually, did that click forward or not? No, it didn't. We'll go back in. Peter's in there twice. There's a one of him turning on Jesus. And then can you see further back, slightly different look to him, but looking more peaceful. And you remember, after, after the uh, crucifixion, Peter meets Jesus on the beach, John 21. And he reminds Peter of the time that he was ashamed of him. And he restores him. And he finishes that conversation with two words which are exactly the same words that we got in this passage, of follow me. He says, if you take me seriously, don't be ashamed of me and my teaching. But it will happen. And that's when we break down in tears like Peter does, and we go back to the Lord for forgiveness. And he gently tells us to get up and follow him. So, there we go. We need to take Jesus seriously. He claims to be God. He dies for us so that we can have a life. That's what the passage tells us. That's what I think this picture is telling us as well. So, for our own sakes and for others, we just need to take what Jesus says seriously. We accept him as Lord. We take up our cross and we follow him every day. Let's pray. Lord, these are difficult words and a hard message. And yet we know that actually what you offer is life itself and is so much better than the things that we worry about. So we just pray uh, that you will help us live this passage out, live this great truth out, uh, even just this coming week. Amen.